ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Hi, I'm Malika Andrews, host of NBA Today, and the clock, it is ticking down to the trade deadline. They are open for business. They put all of their chips in the middle of the table. This is a win-the-title trade. We'll have you covered from coast to coast with four hours of all the league-shifting trades. Don't miss NBA Today's trade deadline special today at 1 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. That's today, and then Saturday we got good hoops for you as well on Super Bowl Eve. ABC and the ESPN app, Devin Booker and the Suns, Steph and the Warriors. NBA countdown starts tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern time. And with that, as we approach the top of the hour, we welcome you back to Get Up. We're live from the seaport. We're brought to you by Grey Goose. The squad is rolling today. The old teammates and buddies are having a good time. And the big swagoo jumps in from Vegas as well. All that and more as we crank up hour number two as we're three days away from Super Bowl 58 kicking off. Let's get to it. Give me some predictions. Tim, give me a bold Super Bowl prediction. I'm going to say Christian McCaffrey under 100 total yards. Wow. And I'm saying that because I think we need to give Steve Spagnuolo a lot of credit. Like, he's tied Dick LeBeau for most appearances in the Super Bowl as a coordinator. I don't know if people really understand how good he actually is and how good that Kansas City Chiefs defense is. And so, look, if I'm going to kind of bet on somebody, I'm going to bet on what they've done on that side of the ball. I like it. That is a bold prediction. Harry, give me a bold prediction. I'm going to go George Karloftis with two sacks in this game. Mm. This young man and his ascension in, in year two, uh, six sacks in his rookie season, ten and a half, which is tied with Chris Jones for most on the team right now. Two and a half sacks this postseason, with his, which is second only behind Aiden Hutchinson. This young man, the way he's playing is very dynamic, and he can be an integral piece of the Kansas City Chiefs repeating that Super Bowl Mike champion. T was talking him up heavy yesterday as well. D. Wood, give me a bold Super Bowl prediction. Isaiah Pacheco, Super Bowl 58. MVP. Oh, yes. I mean, listen, we talk about, we've talked about Patrick Mahone. We talk about Travis Kelsey. You know who's been like the really the most consistent guy on this offense? It's that guy right there, Isaiah Pacheco. Okay, we know he's going up against this, this 49ers defense that's very susceptible against the run. I think he can have a big day on Sunday. Yeah, unlike the Lions, maybe they won't just stop running the ball voluntarily. Big Swagoo, join the party here. Give us a bold prediction. It's going to tie in with Tim Bold prediction. I'm going Debo Samuel to throw a touchdown. I think mm. Kyle Shanahan goes into his bag and tries to get this Kansas City Chiefs aggressive secondary to come up with one of those zone stretch looks or one of those uh, end of rounds with Debo. Suck him up and he's going to throw it deep over their head, man. I'm going Debo touchdown. I like it a lot. We had that yesterday. We had Swagoo with us yesterday as well. And, and Marcus, so you were here when we had this conversation about Patrick Mahomes as well. Look, the historical piece of this is overwhelming. And it got so much reaction yesterday, particularly on social. I wanted to bring it back for those of you who were not with us. This is the company that Patrick Mahomes could be keeping when we all go to sleep on Sunday night. This is the list of players in all four sports in history with three championships and two MVPs in their first seven seasons. You'll notice none of them are wearing a football helmet because no football player has ever done it. We're talking about Bill Russell and Larry Bird, Guy Lafleur, and then 
Musial, Mantle, and Joe DiMaggio, we're talking about royalty mm. in sports history. We are talking about immortals in sports history. And that's what Patrick Mahomes is looking to join. So, Swagoo, so you were with us yesterday. And, and again, I'll repeat, that's in the first seven seasons. Worth noting, Mahomes didn't play his first season. He basically didn't play at all. So he will have done it all in six years. But putting that to the side... Now, you were with us yesterday as, as we, we dove into this conversation a little bit, and then I saw it develop on social media throughout the day. As you've had some time to digest it, and you're there now in Vegas, surrounded by all the Super Bowl conversation, what are the right things to say about what's at stake for Patrick Mahomes? First of all, y'all look good this morning, fellas. Yeah, it yes, is freezing <laughs> cold in Las Vegas. <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on. Um, um, look, G, I thought the more and more I thought about the conversation we had yesterday, you know what comes to mind is that I just I, I don't want to sum it up. I want us to really enjoy this experience that is Patrick Mahomes right now, because, you know, you and I talked about this and I'm sure Woody and Harry and Tim have had these conversations. We in an era now where we want to see somebody have success and then move on. Like, let's who's the next one? Who's the next MVP? Who's the next great quarterback? Who's the guy that's going to unseat Patrick Mahomes? I'm just going to enjoy this, man. Um, I'm sure when people was watching Michael Jordan do what he did on the basketball court, I don't know if they fully appreciated it as much as people we do now, now that we think about it in the last dance has come out. But I know it wasn't a social media to get you right off the mind of what you had just witnessed from Michael Jordan. I know it wasn't this quick reaction and then we move on to go see where the next great performance is going to happen so I, I thought about this a lot man and to be in an area you know LeBron James is my guy and I think the conversation shifted from us talking about his greatness to who is the GOAT or did you see what LeBron did and then we move on to something else I'm gonna just enjoy what Patrick Mahomes is doing right now because it is ungodly it is something that we shouldn't act like we we're used to right Tom Brady did something that is unreal in this league never thought that it would be matched I still don't believe that it'll be matched maybe Pat Mahomes does it but I'm gonna just relish in the fact that we get a chance to witness greatness while it's actually happening and to be honest with you I feel like it's still kind of in its infancy stages which is crazy that's fair. I mean, he's 28 years old. And I do think that is the company that we're talking about now. Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Wayne Gretzky. That's, that's the caliber of what we are seeing. And when you watch it through a quarterback's eyes, yeah. your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, he's kind of changed the game in terms of how it's played. That's definitely been part of it because there are things you say like, no, don't do that. And he does it. And he seems to make plays like that every single week. Just to kind of piggyback on what Marcus said, look, I think there are some things that records that we say like that's not going to be broken. And I think many people think what Brady's accomplished in terms of Super Bowl wins, it's like, yeah, no, I mean, it's crazy. No one's ever going to get to that. You said it earlier. Mm -hmm. He played till he's 45. Like, that, like, this isn't happening again. But Marcus also said, like, infancy stages. You said, like, like he's just 28 years old. And if this is Super Bowl number three, yeah, man, like, this feels like it's very much in reach, which I – Listen, I never thought would be the case. And, and it's an interesting conversation as well. This just jumped into my head as you were showing that one play there. We talked about Brock Purdy earlier, and we talked about game managers. 
And the fascinating thing about watching Mahomes play right now is that not only does he do things that we've quite literally never seen anyone do before, the draw-dropping plays, at least once a game, he does something that would have been the play of the year in practically any other season. He also now has become the best game manager in the sport. The last five playoff games, he has not thrown an interception. He's been sacked a combined total of five times in those. And, of course, they haven't lost one. Here he is trying to win his second consecutive Super Bowl after losing the best receiver in the NFL, Tyreek Hill. So he's not only the most spectacular player, he's probably the best game manager in the sport as well. So, Greedy, that's why I wrote down leadership and growth on my sheet. Yeah. Because for Patrick Mahomes, we look at this year and also in 2022, you didn't have a Tyreek Hill, right? So the dynamics of your team changed. So Andy Reid spoke about this, how Patrick Mahomes, uh, his growth and how he had to grow in different areas of the quarterback position because you may not have what you had in the past. And it's just a phenomenal thing to be able to see. But what he's doing, I don't want anybody to ever think that what Patrick Mahomes is doing right now is normal. It's abnormal, in my opinion. To go to six straight AFC championship appearances and go to four Super Bowls in the last five years, to throw for 5,050 touchdowns in your, in your first season as a starter, but never having less than 4,000 yards passing and never completing under 65% of your passes in each year that you've been in the National Football League, it's, there's nothing normal about that, Greeny. <laughs> you know, it's funny, like, what Swagger was talking about because it, it reminds me of, like, when I would take, like, my, my, my adult kids to, like, concerts, I would tell them, put the phone down. Like, put the phone down. Live in the moment. Carpe diem. Yeah, live in the moment. Season. And that's literally what we're, what we're going through right now. It's just like, like, like literally, live, we, we need to live in the moment of, of, of watching greatness. Our mind is, is the ultimate recorder of, of history right now. So it, that and just speaking to what you were talking about, Greeny, as far as managing the game, think about yeah. this. Last, in, in the AFC Championship game, the Kansas City Chiefs scored three points in the second half. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes managed that situation brilliantly, but that's what all the greats do. More teams find ways to lose games than win them. Mm -hmm. So in, when, you, when you talk about managing something, it's finding ways not to turn it over. It's finding ways not to lose games in those, those type of situations. That's what Patch Mahomes has been doing. Now, now, what am I reading here, Swagoo? I know you just got there because you were with us from your home yesterday, so you haven't been in Vegas very long. But I'm getting a sense that the Chiefs are the villains now all of a sudden. Is that what I'm reading? The people, who are these people that are tired of watching this? I'm just curious. I mean, did you get tired of watching Picasso paint? Did you get tired of watching Mozart tinkle on a piano? Uh, I should have phrased that better, but you know what I mean? You know, tinkling. You're tinkling on the key. You know what I mean? Right? That's, that's, that's the hell green You know what I mean? Like, give me a, you know what I mean by that? <laughs> Took it to a whole other level, Greeny. <laughs> Help me here. You know what I mean. Did you get tired of watching Michael Jordan? Did you get tired of watching Tiger Woods? Did they need to go away for you to appreciate it? Tiger went away, and then he came back, and we appreciated it. Michael Jordan retired at the age of 29 and came back two years later, and maybe it made us appreciate it more. Does Patrick Mahomes have to go away for a little while for us <coughs> to appreciate this? If you're getting tired of watching Patrick Mahomes play and win, then I'm just not exactly sure what it is you think you're a fan of. Swagoo. Gee, after I go watch Picasso play this piano downstairs in the lobby, I'm going to come back and talk about this question tomorrow with you. Listen, 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 here, here's the thing, man. Like, yeah. and that's what I was alluding to. Like, we sit, we sit in here, and you've been covering this game, Tim, and obviously Woody and Harry played it, and we kind of can, it, it can catch us, and we can be like, yo, just take a second and understand how difficult it is 
what's happening in front of you right now and how great you have to be to create this. But it was what I was alluding to. It's not so much of the of, of we want him to go away. It's just the next thing. And I hate that about our culture and generation when it comes to sports right now. We so badly want to see a great performance and then forget about it and ask somebody else to do it again, do another one. So we can talk about that one and move past what we're doing. It's great to celebrate all of these dudes. We know how difficult it is to play the quarterback position in the league. But the bottom line is, man, something is happening right now in the National Football League that has not happened before. And for us to say that for a game that's been around this long, I think everybody needs to take a pause. But you become the villain because everybody wants the next story. That's the problem with, with where we are today as far as watching these greats play. But, but Swagoo, and, and I think recent events in, in, in college football and also the National Football allows us now to really enjoy these moments and embrace them the way we should. When you have a Nick Saban uh, Stop coaching football, right? Yeah. And, and you ask yourself, did I enjoy Nick Saban the way I was supposed to? When you have a Bill Belichick no longer, uh, no longer in New England, you have a Tom Brady no, no longer playing the game of football, and you ask yourself, man, did all three of those guys, did I enjoy it the way I should have? I'm sorry. Didn't people call Tom Brady and New England Patriots the evil empire? Like, yeah. yeah. Like, they just hate it. Like, people, I, so many, I get so many reactions now. Like, God, I hated you guys. Why? You, you hated greatness? Like, damn, get over yourself. <laughs> all right, so that's one quarterback side of all of this. Up next, the Purdy party continues, and is it to be spoiled? Cam Newton looking to set the record straight on this with our buddy Dan Patrick yesterday. You'll hear what he said. And you'll make up your own mind. Plus, is Caleb Williams really the right choice for the Bears? It seems so cut and dried, but the reality is maybe it's not as easy as you think. We'll explain as we roll on. It's Get Up on ESPN. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. We are back on Get Up, and it is time for today's wood-based pun with our buddy Damian Woody. It is wood 
you rather, here we go, D. Wood, would you rather the Bills keep or trade Stephon Diggs? Yeah, I'm going to go with keep. I know there's a, there's something going on in Buffalo, especially ever since that moment of the playoff game a couple years ago against the Cincinnati Bengals. But, listen, Stephon Diggs, to me, is still one of the premier wide receivers in the National Football League. They had the change at the offensive office coordinator position with Joe Brady. Let's give them an offseason, see if they can work this thing out and get this relationship back on track. I like that take. Uh, next one takes us to Pittsburgh. He would, would you rather Kenny Pickett? Or Russell Wilson be their quarterback next year? I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. I, I think that the style of offense, that, that new offense, according to Arthur Smith, is going to run. He's good. You know, it's what, what, he, what he did down in Tennessee with Ryan Tennessee. You saw the run game and the play-action shots. And the one thing that we can say about Russell Wilson is no one throws a better deep ball. No, one, You know, there's few quarterbacks better at play-action. Mm-hmm. So I like Russell Wilson in this scenario. It also could be a very inexpensive option. That'll be Correct. a story as we go forward. Let's do one more. Uh, would you rather the Bears draft Caleb Williams at number one or trade the pick and build around Justin Fields? I'm going to go with Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams. I think Caleb Williams is a better prospect than, than Justin Fields coming, you know, coming out of uh, Ohio State. And I just think, obviously, we talked about the contract and how you know expen- inexpensive he would, he would be to build around. So because of who he is as a prospect, I think he's a better prospect. I'm going to go with Caleb Williams in this situation. So there's a lot of pieces to all of this. First off, I want you to hear Mike T yesterday, our general manager, Mike Tannenbaum, putting himself in the shoes of the Bears general manager right now. If I'm Ryan Poles, the GM of the Bears, I'm calling him up and say, Caleb, you're a Bear. You can move here in April, start learning the offense, May, June, July. You can wait to Halloween. But you're a Chicago Bear. Find real estate because this is where your future is. When I see the commanders calling, I don't even answer. So let the record show that was that was Tim finds it funny. That was in response to the idea that the Bears want Caleb Williams and he doesn't want them. What would you do in the event he doesn't want them? What was not raised in that conversation, because frankly, until today, it has not been part of the discussion on this show, was the idea that Caleb Williams might not be the clear cut choice at number one. But Tim, you have a different idea. Well, I just think this, we're going to go through the evaluation process. Much of it's done because guys have played. And so what Caleb Williams has put on tape has been really, really good. But I'm just saying right now that it's not going to be a consensus. It won't be because there's so much to like about Drake May that I think there are going to be plenty of people that think Drake May is the best prospect in this class. And he checks every box. I've called a number of his games. I've, I've seen like – I've been here at ESPN for 15 years, and so seeing Stafford come out, seeing Andrew Luck come out, seeing guys like that, I think that he is as close to a clean prospect, a perfect prospect at that position as as either of those guys. Mm -hmm. Like Like, that's how good I think that he can be at the next level. I don't think I'm going to be the only one that feels that way about him. Well, you see the grades up there. I mean, that's awfully close. Let me ask you, because I have been doing so much preparation already and research for this. People will point to the fact that his performance this year did not match the performance of the year before, and there were a few games, NC State, Virginia, where he seemed to struggle. Yeah, and so change of offensive coordinator. They definitely lost talent, and I think sometimes it's easy to just get caught up and solely the production at the college level. But the reality is there's also a projection there. And when you look at his physical size, skill set, intelligence, like you, like stuff that you can measure is going to – he's checking every single box. And then beyond that, the intelligence, 
competitiveness, you know, stuff like that, that is going to be off the charts. He is everything you're looking for in terms of somebody to lead your organization. Like, it, there are no concerns with him. I, I get what you're saying. Like, hey, turn the ball over here in this game. Like, that happens to every quarterback. But, and then on top of that, his ability to create at his size is not normal. Like, like a lot of people look at what, how Caleb creates. Sure. What he does creating, guys his size don't do. There are turnover questions with Caleb Williams as well. Of that, there is no question. Well, Caleb Williams seems to fit the, the mold everyone yeah. is looking for right now. Everyone's looking for Patrick Mahomes, and he's got that. He's got that dynamic athleticism. He's got this off, uh, you know, the arm angle throws yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Marcus, I know we're early in this process, and, and your job is to evaluate NFL players. But this is the first I've heard of that, that, that maybe the Bears' decision could be based at least in part on their belief that it isn't so obvious that Caleb Williams is by far the best prospect here. What do you think? Yeah, we was talking about it. Dan uh, mentioned that, too, early in the season when he was like, it, it's probably not going to be a consensus at number one. I tell you, it's a consensus at number one for me. It, when you watch Caleb Williams play football, it's based on what we watching in the league now and his ability to improv and create, that's what teams are looking for. And Tim talked about the development. I think that's a big part of the situation that he falls into, Caleb Williams I'm speaking of. But the intangible things that you can't teach, is what is lighting this league on fire right now. It's why we thought Anthony Richardson could have potentially trended towards being the rookie of the year. Obviously, his injuries derailed him. C.J. Stroud was more, more of a clean prospect coming out as well. He had that performance against Georgia that put a lot of the athleticism to bed. So Drake may, may fall into that line, and it may, like, it may shake up people based on Bryce and C.J. last year. Some of the things we said about Bryce. The improvisation, the ability to be a playmaker, the off-script things. We didn't – C.J. was clean. He stood in the pocket, didn't move around a lot, didn't make a ton of wild plays with his legs, but made a ton with his arm. But, man, when I watched Caleb Williams play the few times that I did in college, I was like an organization is concerned about filling seats and making sure they have a dynamic playmaker at the quarterback position, and he fit that mode a yeah. bunch when I watched him this year. I hear that part. Now, Chicago doesn't have to worry about filling seats. They've been filling up that stadium for 100 years. <laughs> they need to figure out winning. And so here's the question to me. If Washington really does want Caleb Williams, then he doesn't have to just be better than Drake May or, or, or Jaden Daniels for the purposes of, of this exercise. He has to be better than that player plus whatever you might be able to get back in return. So you might be able to flip that pick to Washington and get an extra number one or something, or New England, or whoever it is that wants to get up there. This isn't as easy a choice as some might make it. But it should be. It should for, be. For the Chicago Bears. You love him. You love Caleb Williams. I, I, I do. And, and two plays come to my, my mind. I mentioned one in the first hour, yeah. right? The fourth and one versus Kansas when he's at Oklahoma. And yeah. he takes the ball from the running back as he's getting stopped and he picks up that first down. But last year, we see a fumble snap, right? Bad snap by the center. He picks the ball up and throws the ball in the air for an explosive play. Yeah. Just the instincts. I read a book by T.D. Jakes, The Power of Instincts. That young man has it. Phenomenal. What do you think, D-Ward, about all this? I, I, listen, I, I think I, there's, some, there's, some, there's going to be a lot of credence to what Tim is talking about. I think once we get, you know, dive deeper into the evaluation process, there's going to be teams that's going to fall in love with Drake May. Drake May is a big, big, like, people don't understand how good of an athlete he is. He is a phenomenal athlete. He's gonna he's gonna wild people in this process. But I do I, I but I, I I do feel like Caleb Williams. I think when it's all said and done, he's gonna be the he's gonna be the number one pick. Final quick word. Listen, I, 
I think we're underselling the athlete that Drake May is. Oh, I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up. But like in terms of creating offense, like watch him play. Like he, I to me in college in terms of size creating is as close to like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen that we've seen come out of the college game. All right, it's going to be interesting. We've got till the end of April to figure that out. In the meantime, we have till Sunday to figure out Brock Purdy because we're looking to spoil the Purdy party. But there's one. Former MVP who's doing just fine at that on his own. Cam has tripled down. Here we go again on that. But first, here we go again with Sneaky Hembo for Harry. Which quarterback has the most double-digit wins in Super Bowl history? The answer is next. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. All right, back we are at the bottom of the hour here. The pressure is on Harry. I think you can get this one. And the way the game works is if Harry gets it right, we dance. And if Harry gets it wrong, then Hembo has some celebration planned. Here we go. Which quarterback has the most double-digit wins in Super Bowl history? I'm going to go Troy Aikman of the Dallas Cowboys. Troy Aikman is correct. Oh, good. That is correct. Tom Brady had two. Peyton Manning had two. Bart Starr, Jim Plunkett, Roger Staubach, Joe Montana, and Terry Bradshaw had two each. But Aikman, the only one with three. Almost went with Terry Bradshaw. That is well done. And you were almost wrong, but you got it right. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about some more quarterbacks. Tim Hasselbeck, give us QB quick reads as we take a look ahead to the Super Bowl. Who is the most important skill position player on either team? I believe it's Isaiah Pacheco because the run game's gotten going for Kansas City. I think that's a big deal against these linebackers uh, for the Niners. I also believe that they kind of need the balance on offense uh, with how Kansas City has operated this season, so I believe it's Pacheco. All right, let's go to the next one here. Fill in the blank for us. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs will win if what? The wide receivers make the most of their opportunities. They have in the postseason. They really didn't during the regular season. And so guys like Rasheed Rice, MVS to seal the game that we're looking at right here. That, to me, if if they deliver, then Kansas City's going to be fine. But if they don't, which happened throughout the year, that'll be a problem. And then let's go to the other side. Brock Purdy and the 49ers will win if what? Two things. I, I think that Nick Bosa needs to have a big game. And the reason I say that is Jawan Taylor, their right tackle, 
has really been the weak link on that offensive line. Mm -hmm. That's a matchup that favors the 49ers. And then if they get the run game going, and I say that because then the ball can be distributed to other guys like Kittle and IU and Debo Samuel. But I think it really starts with McCaffrey in terms of being able to distribute the football. That's interesting because you made the point earlier, you think Spagnuolo will shut down McCaffrey, which will be one of He's the guy. That, that chess match will be an interesting one to watch. In the meantime, Brock Purdy, who strikes one as the least polarizing person you've ever come across in your life, has become a very polarizing player when people analyze them, and no one more so than Cam Newton, who we know has said a lot about it. And yesterday, he was on with our old friend Dan Patrick, and Cam explained his somewhat controversial takes on Brock Purdy. I think we have to stop this narrative that I do not like Brock Purdy. That's not the case. I'm a fan of Brock Purdy. But I just call it how I see it, and I think what he's been able to do with getting guys the football has been something that we've seen um, a lot of people do, but not at this level. Game changer is at the top sphere of talent. Are you saying Brock Parity is in that realm? No. Okay, so going back to my first thought was like, like we have to normalize the truth. I'm not, this is not coming from malice. This is not coming from hatred. Yeah. This is not coming from, there's times where I've said I've held myself to that same standard. I did not play my best football when I was forced to try to just be a game changer. So, it, look, I mean, the, the way we sort of have parsed the words game changer and game manager and all that kind of stuff in all of this, which really did stem originally from Cam Newton's initial comments are interesting but perhaps the best way to describe a game changer is someone who can make plays outside of the ones that are obviously there and Tim I'd love you to show that tape that you did again this was as good as anything that I have seen it's above the X's and O's guys that we say are game changers you call a play it's not perfect what do they do they play above the X's and O's go watch the championship game look he's got a guy in his lap who drives him to the ground and he rips this in cut to Debo Samuel. The best of the best don't do it better than that. Well, how about creating the off-schedule play like this right here? Like when Mahomes does this, it's like, hey, can you believe he's throwing late back across the middle of the field? Mm. Or how about when you have a free runner and you're able to escape like Josh Allen is, like he does that. This is one game, guys, the biggest game of the season so far that he's played. How about on third and four when you got to have it in a game where he rushes for over 40 yards in the game? Like, to me, if you're just saying, hey, everything's perfect because Kyle Shanahan is amazing and it's one, two, three, ball out, throw, like, that's not how Brock Purdy plays quarterback. He actually creates offense, and so this idea that he isn't, like, just that's not true. I really like that tape, and I'm glad that we showed it again. Marcus, as we watch that again, it does seem to dispel some of what I think is the conventional narrative about Brock Purdy. Uh, it dispelled it the fourth quarter of the Green Bay Packers in that second half of the Detroit Lions. Before those two games, in my opinion, Brock Purdy was one of the best game managers in the league. And that's just the reality. And I told you yesterday, G, Brock Purdy is a victim of the success of the franchise that he's a part of. We know that with the talent and what Kyle Shanahan has done, we've seen quarterbacks manage games and them get to NFC championships and Super Bowls and at times do nothing like watching Jimmy Garoppolo only throw eight passes in the NFC championship to get to a Super Bowl. So Brock Purdy to me is a victim of that more than if you're watching. Here's the thing that this is why it's a lightning rod when it comes to Brock Purdy. One, because of what I just mentioned. 
when it comes to where he ended up and how we attribute guys that play in Kyle Shanahan's offense. That's number one. The other thing is we have to see if you're asked to do these things for you to enter into a different conversation. And for me, that fourth quarter against Green Bay, my eyes perked up and my eyebrow went up and I was like, oh, we he's starting to he's starting to this ain't about Kyle's offense. These plays are breaking down and he's creating. He became a game changer in those situations and in these two games. And the reason why I think the tag is being removed, in my opinion, I'm not speaking for Cam, is because those are games you have to have it when you are trailing, when you are down. And remember the narrative also that Brock Purdy has gotten rid of is Kyle Shanahan not being able to come back after being down in these situations in games before he showed up. So to me, that's that's what's changing it. And then, two, it's not a new thing for us to enter quarterbacks into a different echelon when they get to the playoffs and perform in a different way. We knew Joe Burrow was good, but it changed when he went and beat Patrick Mahomes. It Mm -hmm. changed when he beat Josh Allen in Buffalo. Those are when the conversations start happening of, oh, this is the second-best quarterback in the NFL. And now it's questions about, is he going to be the guy that's going to battle with Patrick Mahomes that could actually beat him? So this is not new. Brock Purdy in his last two playoff performances, when you had to have it and it was on the line, became a game changer. And that's how you change the narrative. For the record, he, he hasn't lost a playoff game that he has completed. Uh, the one that he got hurt last year in, in the NFC Championship game is, is the only one that he's lost. He's only been a starter for a year and change. Yeah. So there are a lot of things on his side of the ledger. Well, it almost kind of goes back to like, like the conversation we were having earlier about like when we're watching things in the moment, we got to appreciate how things are happening in the moment. And we got to allow these guys to grow. And we can't just place, you know, labels on people, especially this early in, the, in this He's early in their career. Year, He's literally in his <laughs> second year. Yeah. And, and we got people out here just trying to label athletes and don't allow these guys to grow as, as they continue on in their career. Just like Marcus just talked about. We literally, everyone before the, before the playoffs, everyone had Brock Purdy in, as labeled a certain way. But guess what did? What happened? Then all of a sudden he started making those plays. Now people start thinking, hmm, this guy is actually doing things above the X's and O's. So we got to allow people to grow and evolve as players and stop just trying to label them right here, right now. Well, I think what was phenomenal about the Green Bay game is that he had to do it when Debo Samuel went out of the game, right? Mm. He was able to step his game up and make the plays necessary. And then in the second half, when you're down big at halftime in the NFC Championship game, to go 13 for 16 for 174 in a touchdown and rush for 49 yards. But it's not just those plays that we've seen at Temple on. It's the intellect, right? It's the anticipation. It's the tight window throws. Uh, not any and everybody can do that. And when you're judging quarterbacks coming into the National Football League, if it's one thing, one of, one of the things that hamper them, it's being able to throw with anticipation. I, I don't need you as a quarterback to have to see what's happening. I need you to anticipate what's happening, and Brock Purdy does a great job of it. I think making the Jimmy Garoppolo comparison is wildly unfair. Jimmy Garoppolo in two games going to, on his way to the Super Bowl, two playoff games going to the Super Bowl, 27 pass attempts yeah. in those two games. Negative one yard rushing in those two games. Brock Purdy, 70 pass attempts in two games. They're putting it on him. 62 yards rushing. I think 29 first downs for the 49ers offense under Purdy versus 14 for Jimmy Garoppolo in that space. It's not the same. That was a that was a defense-led team on their way to the Super Bowl. No, no, Very no, no, different no. than what Purdy the, is the, doing. The so I just like like he's But Tim, the comparison is not the two guys. I'm not comparing the two guys. 
That's not – I think people miss that point when I bring Jimmy Garoppolo's name into it. The reason why I bring Jimmy Garoppolo's name is because of the success that we saw the 49ers have. I used to fight on get upset when people say Jimmy Garoppolo is leading the 49ers to the championship in the Super Bowl. G, remember my visceral reactions time yes. and time again when the people used to say that. Because I'm like, no, he's not. Not at all. But I'm talking about the success of Kyle Shanahan and the fact that you were able to do that in spite of having quarterback play that was at the top. Now you've been giving given a quarterback that's playing at a very high level, which is why I think this makes this Super Bowl fascinating because we all agree that Brock Purdy has way more of an impact on what the 49ers are doing than Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm talking about the situation as a whole. Remember, y'all, we saw this team go to two NFC championships and a Super Bowl. So, yes, they've had a tremendous amount of success before Brock Purdy showed up. He may be the catalyst to take them over the hump, and over the hump means you win that game because your quarterback is able to do what we saw him do against Green Bay and the Detroit Lions. And the third element, of course, is where he was drafted. You were talking about D. Wood being a first-round pick and all that kind of stuff earlier. You know what I don't remember, and you were there, when, because Tom Brady, I'm not comparing Brock Purdy to no. Tom Brady, don't get me wrong. When did we stop talking about Brady being the 199th pick in the draft? I don't recall when that ceased to be part of the conversation. Certainly not until after he had won a Super Bowl, which also came in his second year. By the way, you were there. You won that Super yeah. Bowl with him. I mean, I don't remember when we stopped thinking of him that way. We never did because that was always – and Brady wouldn't let you because that was always the chip that he used like that that fueled him throughout his whole career like even with all the accolades I was still pick number 199 in the, in the sixth round of the NFL draft he never let you live that what day. number did you go again 17. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's pretty yeah. good. Hey, hey, hey. Center, uh, center's going to okay. get picked 17. Uh, uh, Let's do uh, a, a couple of prop bets. Don't and hot money. <laughs> ESPN bet. You can download the app right now. Here are some of the prop bets that we have. D. Wood, which team will score the first touchdown in Super Bowl 58? I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I just think that Andy Reid, Andy Reid knows how, as far as scripting plays. This man is, is phenomenal. Even if the Chiefs start on defense, I think they'll be the way their defense is playing. They'll be able to shut it down. So I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. Tim, five and a half total touchdowns for the two teams combined, more or less. Listen, I like these offenses, but I'm going less here. And look, the Kansas City Chiefs were the second best scoring defense in the National Football League this year. We know how good the Niners are defensively and so some of the receiver struggles I'm, I'm saying less and then my boost this week you've seen my seeing green boosts and I have one for the Super Bowl here we go Christian McCaffrey his total yards from scrimmage over 149 and a half so the combined receiving and rushing does he get to 150 Harry how do you like it I'm going under I'm going under in this one because the Kansas City Chiefs we can't sleep on their defense and how meaningful they meant to this football team the entire year especially when that offense wasn't what we thought it was going to be in 2023. Well, we will see. I've boosted the over there, as you saw, to plus 175. If you think McCaffrey has a shot to be the Super Bowl MVP, again, you can check out all of them at ESPN Bet. Coming up, what are the top five Super Bowl moments ever? I have the definitive list next.
Every day this week, my green list uh, is chosen exclusively by me, the world's foremost authority on all matters. They're all Super Bowl related this week, and this was the hardest one with so much to choose from. These are the top five moments in Super Bowl history. We'll start at number five, and we will start with Lynn Swan. If you are old enough to remember Cowboys and Steelers in Super Bowl X, what Lynn Swan did, this was what made NFL films a part of the Super Bowl. The almost beautiful grace. It was almost like a ballet move as he somehow managed to make these spectacular catches on his way to being the MVP of that Super Bowl game. That one didn't win a game, but it felt like it changed something forever the way he performed and made those catches absolutely spectacular. So that's number five on our list of the greatest Super Bowl moments. Number four is Philly Philly. This was before halftime of a game the Eagles will beat the Patriots in, but this was when you knew they might. This was a game they had no business winning. Tom Brady threw for over 500 yards. His team didn't punt, and yet it was Nick Foles that wound up beating him on that day, and Philly Philly was the moment that you thought to yourself, you know what? The impossible is actually going to happen. Uh, at number three, that's Philly Philly again. Let's get to number three here if we can. This is the one that changed everything. I, what exactly it is that the Seahawks thought they were doing here, I think this broke up Seattle. I think a lot of players on that Seattle defense never got over this. The fact that they didn't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch and let him run it in for a touchdown that would have beaten the New England Patriots on that day. Instead, Malcolm Butler made, I guess, the greatest and most famous defensive play in the history of football. It absolutely changed everything. It won New England a Super Bowl, and Seattle never really recovered. At number two, uh, let, let's go Montana to Taylor. Uh, it, it is history. It capped off the most famous game-winning drive in Super Bowl history. And while this was the Jerry Rice game, this was the play that wound up winning it. Montana to Taylor, it's what cemented the 49ers as a dynasty. It's what cemented Montana amongst the great quarterbacks, maybe at the time the greatest quarterback of all time, and it won them the Super Bowl in the closing minute. And then at number one, the unlikeliest play ever. I, I don't know how to describe this, but if you were watching it, you'll never forget it. Uh, the David Tyree catch where the ball just appears to stick to his helmet, defying the laws of physics and everything else. And, of course, the beginning of this play as well, where Eli somehow manages to elude a sack when it looks like he's absolutely dead to rights. And it couldn't be a bigger play because it leads to the Giants winding up knocking the Patriots from the ranks of the unbeaten. That play changed history completely. That New England team is the greatest team in football history if that play doesn't happen. So those are the top five moments in Super Bowl history for me. It was a very difficult list to combine. And so I have asked the group here to each pick your own favorite Super Bowl moments. And, Tim, I'll start with you because this is a great one. I'm going back to Super Bowl 18. People think of this as the Marcus Allen reverse field Super Bowl, you know, Washington versus the Los Angeles Raiders. How about Don Hasselbeck? My dad blocking an extra point in that game. I believe it maybe affected the over, just in case people remember that. <laughs> but look at Big Don, number 87. We got it illustrated here. Knocking back Big oh. Joe Jacoby to block it. That's what I'm talking about right there. No doubt. Listen, like pride it. and poise. Just win, baby. Just win, baby. So good. I, I, Big D. I think that's Theismann is the holder there as yep. well. I mean, look at that. Just playing with some leverage. Then the elevation. 
I think it was a 38-9 to football game yeah. instead of a 38-10 to football game. Changed everything. Changed everything. So a little bit surprised it wasn't on your list, Greg. Look, if my dad had blocked an extra <laughs> yeah. point in the Super Bowl, <laughs> that would have been quite the upset considering he was a lawyer from the Bronx. But I do like the whole idea. All right, where's Harry? Harry, what is your number one Super Bowl moment? Yeah, what you had, number one, uh, David Tyree. But before that, Eli Manning being able to escape pressure. And the reason why that play is so dynamic we got to remember the New England Patriots, they were challenging the Miami Dolphins to become that other undefeated team and chase history. So this play stopped all of that from happening, but just phenomenal. You talk about the strength to be able to hold on to that ball. We know the dynamic safety that Rodney Harrison was and the physical presence he was as well. So I'm going with that as mine. If you were watching it live, you were sure it was going to be overturned. right? When it first happens, yeah. you're like, there's no way he actually caught that. And then as you watch it, and you've now seen it a thousand times in your life, Somehow it just doesn't ever touch the ground. It's a miracle. Swagoo, your number one play in Super Bowl history. Oh, James Harrison, interception return, dude. Like the one that was the one for me because the Calvary came and our boy Ryan Clark was on that team as well against Arizona. The big fella got there. Like it don't matter how you get there. You got to go through some bumps. You got to go through some pain. You got to figure out how your hamstrings go hold up the whole damn way to the end zone. But James picked that rock off, man, and this is when you knew that Pittsburgh defense had put their stamp on the game. They made a lot of plays before this, but this was the one that became synonymous with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Dick LeBeau and that great defense that they had with our boy RC on it. But anytime a big fella get an interception and go 100G, you know it's going to be the greatest play to me. Lest you should forget, that play took place with no time left at the half. So if he doesn't make it all the way to the end zone, they're going to get no points out of it. It's a game that ends with the Roethlisberger pass to Santonio Holmes. So an unbelievable Super Bowl. I think the greatest Super Bowl game of all time. But that is certainly a memorable play. All right, D. Wood, right. you played there we go. in some of these, mm-hmm. but you did not pick one of your own moments. What? No, no, I didn't. I, I actually picked uh, Doug Williams winning yep. the Super Bowl for us for the end, Washington Redskins. I grew up with a Redskins fan. And to just see, you know, first the, the first black quarterback to win a Super Bowl. I, I love Joe Gibbs, you know, the Hogs, all, all of those guys. But to see Doug Williams to go out there and win that Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos, that was uh, that, that was a moment that really hit home for me. An unforgettable day changed so many things in the NFL and an extraordinary second quarter. Yes. That was a game at the end of the first quarter, and it was over. It was over. At halftime. Right. But you played in this thing. How could you? Look, all the respect <laughs> in the world yeah. for the hey. great Doug. That's Williams. that young man from Beaverdale, yeah. Virginia, blocking <laughs> his team. That's what it's like. Tim picked his father blocking an extra point. Yeah. How did you not pick yourself in the Super Bowl? Because, because Green, I told you, like I told you earlier, Look at I'm, a, I'm a humble yeah. guy. Yes. That is go. Yes, that is me Let's right there. Go. Get you throw hands up like that. Was that, that your 65? Yeah, that was me. Throwing my hands up and everything. Yeah, coming on out of the introduction. Yeah. Yes, I think I had like a concussion coming out of there. Because <laughs> Brady like was giving me headbutt, but yeah, this was uh, yeah, this was a pretty big deal, man. 9/11. That was a pretty big, pretty big deal. D Wood there snapping the ball, looking around. So far, not doing anything. On that, that, but you know what? But you, you don't agree. Block anybody? But you, but you what are you agree? doing? That, I, yeah, I was snapping on the center, not shotgun. Not shotgun. Yeah. I can't help but notice you didn't really do much on that play. I mean, you did the play we showed. Hey, you no, know, just no, no hitters are for baseball. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did a couple things, just maybe not, not in that play. All right, first take is coming up live. Swagger was live in Vegas. The crew is out there. Molly, Stephen A., Shannon. 
joined by tons of guests, including to Marcus Lawrence and Ocho Cinco and Deion Sanders and a whole lot more. Don't miss it. Starts in five minutes here on ESPN. Just have a few seconds here. Who's going to win Sunday? I think the Chiefs win. Chiefs. Chiefs. All right, we'll do the smashing of helmets tomorrow. If everyone thinks the Chiefs are going to win, they have no chance. First take starts now. (laughs) 